Now, Genesis 12 is about a promise. If you, put your, if you look at the first three verses, you'll see that there's a two-word phrase there that's repeated six times. It's a phrase that tells us about the main character in the Bible. This phrase reminds us and assures us that there's somebody bigger than us, before us and over us in the world who cares for us. Here we see six times God's promise. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. This is what God will do. And now there's three parts to this promise of what God will do. The first part of the promise comes with a command in verse 1. Verse 1 says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. The first part of the promise comes with a command, but a command that has a promise attached to it that God will give Abram land. You can see down in verses 6 and 7 that the land that is promised is the land of Canaan. God promises Abram land, the land of Canaan, not some backwater that nobody else wants, it's not contaminated landfill, it's not flood prone. Other places in the Bible, it's described as the land flowing with milk and honey. It's a rich and prosperous land, it's a land that you would long for it, it's a land to look forward to. You see, from the first time since the man and the woman were evicted from the garden, God is promising his people to have a land of their own, to be in God's place again. The second part of the promise is in verse 2. God says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great. God promises a great nation. They will be well known. God will make their name great. God is going to do for Abram and his family and his nation what the people tried to do in Genesis chapter 11 in building the great tower when they tried to make their name great. Well, God is going to do that for Abram and his people. This great nation is a family that comes from Abram, which I said earlier, you think, uh, even though you think, um, I can, can't, even though you don't think I can, words from the song, double, triple negative, uh, because Abram was old. We read at the end of Genesis chapter 11 that he was really old, his wife was really old, that they never had children and never expected to have children, and now God's promising this great big nation, and it's hard to believe that this great big family and nation is going to come from Abram, but when God makes a promise, God will do it. Now, do you ever get stumble over the name Abram or Abraham? Which one is it? Are they two different characters? Well, Abram is his name in Genesis chapter 12, and Abram means exalted father. Exalted father, or even more literally, weighty father. Okay, uh, he has lots of possessions. He's exalted father, but later on, in response to the promise that God makes to Abram, he changes his name to Abraham, 
And Abraham means father of many. Father of many. First part of the promise is a promise of land. Second part of the promise is uh, the promise of a nation. Now the third part of the promise uh, is blessing in verse 3. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You know, because of sin and shame in the world, we expect curse. We expect God's judgment. Because of that pattern of sin and shame, we expect curse. But God promises blessing. And not just blessing for Abram, not just blessing for Abram and his family, but blessing that extends to the whole world. God promises blessing for all through Abram. And we saw in the video early on, we've been seeing again and again that blessing comes from living under God's rule. Blessing comes from being God's people in God's place. To have everything good that you need uh, from God. That's like it was uh, back in the garden. Now, wherever we see a promise in the Bible, it's an invitation to faith. Where there's promise, there's an invitation to believe what is promised and then to entrust ourselves to the one who has made that promise. It is faith. Now, faith has lots and lots of different definitions. A little while back, uh, I looked up on the ever-reliable Wikipedia and at one time it said, faith is belief in a proposition that is not supported by evidence. There's one definition of faith uh, in the world. Uh, And as I dug a little bit deeper, that's the exact definition on one of the atheist societies uh, in the world. Belief in a proposition that is not supported by evidence. Well, Wikipedia is not reliable for everything, so let's go to the Macquarie Dictionary. You can hear all the school teachers cheering now. The Macquarie Dictionary, one of the definitions there of faith... Belief which is not based on proof. Now, biblical faith is different to those two definitions of faith. This is a biblical definition of faith, or what biblical faith is. It's to be so convinced of the promises of God to us in Jesus, you reorient reorient your life around them. It's to be so convinced of the promises of God to us in Jesus that you reorient your life around them. Now this is what Abram does in verse 4. When God has said, go, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. How does Abram show faith? How does Abram show that he believes God's promises? How does he show that he entrusts himself to God's promises? Verse 4, he went. God says go and Abraham goes. He believes God's promise. Now can you please turn your Bibles over to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8 in the New Testament, first book of the New Testament, the first of the Gospels. In chapter 8 we see a couple of people here who show us what it is to have faith in response to Jesus. 
Now, so far every week we've been jumping across to Matthew's Gospel uh, to connect the Old Testament story through into its fulfilment in Jesus. As the true story of the Bible is written, the fulfilment of God's promises is more and more focused on Jesus. The fulfilment of these promises of, of land and nation and blessing. You see, as the fulfilment of God's promises is more and more focused in Jesus, it's like we could take Genesis chapter 12 and this is God's promise. I will make Jesus into a great nation and I will bless Jesus. I will make Jesus' name great and Jesus will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless Jesus and whoever curses Jesus I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You see, Jesus is ultimately the offspring who comes from the woman who will crush the serpent's head. Jesus is the one that we're looking out for who will deal with the problem of sin and shame in the world. Jesus is the fulfillment of all God's promises. Now, as we come to Matthew chapter 8, here we see people responding to Jesus as the one who will bring about these promises. Jesus comes across a man who has leprosy, an awful uh, skin condition, which under the Old Testament laws made you unclean. It caused you to be out of community. It caused you to be cut off from relationships. It caused you to live with this very visible shame as you could not associate with other people. Yet the man with leprosy, he comes to Jesus believing that Jesus can heal him, believing that Jesus is the one who can change and Jesus heals him. Then another man comes to Jesus, a Roman centurion, somebody who's very important in society, who has some authority, who has their own servants. And for this centurion, uh, his servant is at home, uh, so sick, whatever's going on with him, he's, he's paralysed and he cannot walk. The centurion is, is a Roman. He hasn't descended from the family of Abraham. He is not an Israelite, yet he believes that Jesus is the offspring of who will bring about God's promises in the world. He believes that Jesus can heal. And he has such confidence in Jesus that he expects that Jesus can do it without even having to come and see his paralysed servant. And Jesus does uh, heal him. But we see along the way that how much this servant expects, or we see that, his, that, that because of his faith, because of his belief in Jesus, that he is included in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, so verse, uh, pick it up halfway through verse 10. Matthew chapter 8, halfway through verse 10. Uh, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. You see, this guy, because of his faith, because of his belief, because of entrusting himself to who Jesus is, he's included in the kingdom of heaven. He, the centurion, is looking forward to the kind of things that Abram was looking forward to. 
Now, as the chapter goes on, Matthew chapter 8, we see Jesus healing many, many others, and he's not just making their lives better. Have a look at verse 17, where it's connected to the prophet Isaiah. This was to fill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. You see, Isaiah here is not just talking about making life better. He's talking about the infirmity of sin. He's talking about the disease of shame. And that as Jesus comes into the world, he is the one who is bringing an end to those. Jesus is bringing forgiveness from sin. Jesus bringing, is bringing uh, covering once for all from our shame. Jesus is inviting us by grace into relationship again uh, with God and with one another. You see, what, we, what we're going to keep seeing through this series is that the curse of sin and shame isn't the end of the story. It isn't the end of the story for Adam and Eve in the garden. It isn't the end of the story for Cain and Abel. It isn't the end of the story for Noah and his family. It isn't the end of the story for those who are building the Tower of Babel. It won't be the end of the story for Abraham and all his descendants. The curse of sin and shame isn't the end of the story. It isn't the end of the story in your life. You see, we have in, a, in, the, in the true story of God, the world and us a promise of what God will do in Jesus. And biblical faith is to be so convinced of those promises that you reorient your life around them. That's what we're going to be inviting and encouraging right across this series. Every time we see the promise of God to be entrusting ourselves to them. Now let's have a look at our three-part promise for today. Uh, God's uh, promise of land and nation and blessing, it changes the story of the Bible. It changes the true story of God, the world and us. From that promise, we, we can expect, hope, believe, have faith that God will do what He says He will do and He surely will.